Good morning. I am Lauren Anders Brown, an independent documentary filmmaker. Being behind the camera in over 40 countries has resulted in hours, days, terabytes of footage. So much of what happens to make a shoot possible ends up on the metaphorical cutting room floor. Most of my editing used to take place in planes, trains, or whatever available coffee shop had a decent filter single origin coffee and always using the hashtag today's office. Now I'm picking up the scraps, reviewing old interviews and scrolling through my social media to give you a behind the scenes look at what it is like to travel, produce, film, direct, record alone as my own correspondent. The land of a thousand hills seems like an intimidating location to any filmmaker. Forget one that carries uh, 20 kilometers of equipment to film on location on her own back. Regardless of the terrain, Rwanda was a dream to film in. It was 2016, and this was my fourth time filming in Africa. But my first time where I truly had no idea who my contributors were that I would be filming with, a shooting schedule, or any of the locations. This is what I call Africa time to the extreme. Things work out on their own. You don't always go into a shoot with all the answers, but if you go in with the flexibility and faith that you'll walk away with the footage you need, as I did on this trip, then I think I can quite rightly steal a quote from the Lion King and say, Hakuna Matata. This trip was about my two most filmed and I suppose favorite subjects at that point, football or soccer and surgery. I received a simple reply that I was to welcome to come and film with a local football organization. A few words, but enough to green light my trip. My prep for filming surgery was a bit easier as I was traveling with the surgeon who was making his sixth trip to Rwanda and had a vast network of contacts, both medical and logistical. As far as my prep was going, it seemed I had excellent interviews lined up on the medical side and a warm welcome on the sports side. I couldn't really ask for more. When I arrived in Kigali, I was taken aback at how calm the airport was. It's a rarity to visit somewhere, at least in my line of work, where a taxi driver isn't harassing you while I'm protecting my gear like a lion protects her baby cubs. The drive to the guest house made me feel as though I could be in Northern California. It was unbelievably clean. I could tell you parts of the United States that were not as spotless as the sidewalks of Kigali. I later learned that the impeccable cleanliness was due to the monthly mandated community cleanup sessions. For an entire day, all work stops in Kigali. It's actually illegal to work, as I later learned when I realized I couldn't get my film crew or even a taxi to finish the final day of filming I needed. The Rwandan people all pitch in, perform their assigned cleaning jobs for their communities. After cleaning, they spend time together, airing out grievances and connecting with each other. 
It is intended to be a combatant to resolve any social issues or underlying hatred. Things that began the Rwandan genocide decades before. In the 1990s, Rwanda was one of the most densely populated countries in Africa, bringing together people of different ethnic backgrounds and squishing them into the size of a space that would take up a relatively small state in, let's say, the northeast of the United States. The two main ethnicities were the Hutus, which were the majority of the population at 85%, then followed by the Tutsi. And then an even smaller group was the Twa, who were the original inhabitants of Rwanda. Societal disparities between the two groups evolved, with Tutsis occupying more powerful professions than the Hutus, despite being outnumbered in population size. Ultimately, what became unrest and discontent for power and position came down to ethnic differences and resulted in the Hutus killing at least 800,000 people based on their own ethnic backgrounds or sometimes just based on their body structures. Tutsis were taller with a longer face, while Hutus were generally of a shorter stature. This is one of the things people think of when they think of Rwanda. But most recently in the news, Rwanda has been involved with the UK government in acting as a processing center for those who want to claim asylum in the United Kingdom. Migrants risk their lives to find safety only to be shipped up on a plane to East Africa. It's about as illegal as the genocide and in the same breath, it's been allowed to happen by the international community again. But I digress. Between these bookends of infamy for Rwanda stands its rapid growth and potential I saw as I first touched down in every person I met, and especially in the medics working there. The first day was a bit of a daze with jet lag as I had just arrived from the United States. So right after my first real memory of the clean sidewalks was the smell of coffee. The coffee at the guest house was nothing special for Rwanda. They couldn't even tell me where they got it from. But coffee from Rwanda is so special that even the less special varieties were special enough for me. I can say it was one of the easiest locations in the world for me to break my jet lag. And the coffee didn't stop at the guest house. It was literally everywhere. I had a few initial meetings at a coffee shop that was walkable called Bourbon Coffee. And as a side note, you can find a satellite location of that coffee shop in Washington, DC, which I always make an effort to frequent whenever I'm in the DC area. Eventually, my body clock adjusted thanks to the coffee and I was able to begin filming with the surgeons from Global Surge. Global Surge is a collaborative research group gathering bedside level patient data from all across the world to present outcomes that can have huge impacts on the understanding of global health. The founders have since gone on to create COVID Surge, which as its name suggests, um, has had a huge impact with the pandemic and being able to use their well-developed collaborative network since I filmed with them in 2016. A lot of my interviews were with surgeons who had traveled from the UK, but I had one with a local surgeon in Rwanda named Zeta, who was an important part of being able to conduct the research, publishing, contributing, and teaching others as the ultimate case of paying it forward. 
uh, where you practice? My name is Zeta Mutabazi. I am a medical student at University of Rwanda and I am now rotating in Sehashika, which is Kigali University Teaching Hospital. And um, when did you first become involved in Global Search? I started to hear about Global Search in 2013 and I started to join Global Surge activities later in 2013 with Dr. Ed Fitzgerald when he came here for checklist implementation. Um, and how is, can you tell me what's happening right now? Is this the first training for Global Surge here? Uh, I would say it might look uh, the first inaugural, uh, but we did have uh, talked about global side before in uh, aside courses before. And, and what is your experience with the course yesterday and today? So yesterday and today, we we have had uh, important experience we have never had. We learned about research and audit. We get introduced on what is needed to do a research, on what is required, on who can do research, and how research can be conducted, and the aim. We, in general, uh, have learned that research is necessary in a community, in a society, to improve. Because with research, we understand what is being done, and we talk with the community or the governments in charge, then we try to find out a solution. And for a, a good practice, we encourage people to continue that good practice, or we make it with better quality. And bad practices, they are changed and later improved. This, in general, for the healthier status of the general population. Did you stay up all night studying that? Sorry? Did you stay up all night practicing that response? That's very good. It right? was perfect. Very good. Ah. <laughs> very good. Okay. Um, what else did you want me to ask? <laughs> 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 You've done so <laughs> Zeta addresses some of the key issues that arise in the developing world that of the need to make themselves self-sustainable in health, and giving his fellow Rwandans the tools to make that a reality with the tool, in this case, being research to improve health outcomes. Over the last couple of years, the spotlight has never been more focused on the importance of data collection, research, and learning from each other on what to do or what not to do during a pandemic. Global Health Film the sponsors of season two of this podcast series have an exclusive event coming up, hosting the UK film premiere of How to Survive a Pandemic. The screening is on the 10th of May. It's online, followed by a panel discussion addressing some of these major global health issues on inequity in health and what can and cannot be done about it. Get your tickets now at globalhealthfilm.org. And that's all for this month. Back next month with more from my own correspondent. Do join me.